Welcome to the Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast, inside the business, buzz, and brilliance of Black entrepreneurs. Here is your host, Dr. Francis Richards. What happens in Vegas goes all over the world on Black Entrepreneur Experience, episode number 339. Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Before we dive in today, I want to invite you to join me at Clever.fm, a place for us to have a discussion and exchange ideas. I'll be there to answer your burning questions about this podcast and the topics I cover. Today's guests will also be there to continue the dialogue. After listening to this episode, don't forget to meet us at clever.fm slash B-E-E-S. There's a link in the show notes. Our next guest will help you hack your own marketing system so you can step away from the overwhelm and do the things you're good at. She is the founder and CEO of 30 Day Funnels. Welcome, Lindsay Sims. Hello, hello. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your business? Well, I think that the core of what's important about me and my business really is I like to focus on helping people who are usually underserved with making technology easy to understand and use. And then on top of that, helping them get to the next level because When I first started my business, what I realized was that technology is here to flatten the world. And I meant that in the most positive way possible. And I find that it's been kind of my job since day one to help flatten the world for everyone and make sure that we can all do whatever it is that we need to do in order to compete and sometimes noisy feeling market. And talk about this aha moment when you knew that your business was going to be successful. Oh, I'm not sure it was one single moment. I think that I've had several along the way, and they usually come at a point at which you overcome, or I've overcome something that should have taken the business out. Uh, So (laughs) the moments for me that are big aha moments, one of them happened just a few years ago, probably now, I guess, almost five years ago, where I ended up getting very ill and having to have surgery and was basically out of commission for like four or five months. And during that time, I was able to, I had developed systems and processes and relationships that made it so that I was able to stay in business, even though I was probably working maybe five hours a week at that point. And that was a moment where I realized, oh, I'm not just going to stay in business. I think I can be in business no matter what, like no matter what happens, if I want to stay a business owner, I can't. And that was a pretty big moment. Talk about pivot, profit, and the pandemic. Oh, one of the things that the pandemic brought me, I feel like for my business, the pandemic was more a gift than a curse. And that was because I was already ready for it. I got calls on the day that everything shut down and literally got calls from people going, oh, you were ready for this. And I'm like, (laughs) y'all make it sound like I was like, doomsday calling, but I had been telling people for years that they needed to focus more on digital and less on print and on having to be in person in order to do things and on being so, oh, I'll get to that about digital marketing. And the pandemic really brought people 
to me because they kept saying, oh, you were right. I really can't avoid, like, I can't avoid doing business using Facebook and I can't avoid using Pinterest and I can't avoid, and I'm like, not anymore. I didn't really have to pivot so much as I spent probably the first four months of the pandemic helping other people pivot and helping other people get their businesses to the point where they could actually stay in business and be online ready in a way that they hadn't been before. So the profit came from being able to do what I was called to do, which was to help people and help them to get into the digital space. And how do you do that? Talk about if someone contacts you, what that experience will look like. Well, it it really depends on what their needs are. For me, the majority of the time, it is a combination of all of your digital assets and making them kind of work together. Recently, I've been working with a banker who has a, a very traditional background. She's been in banking for 40 years, and she's now in the space where she's an entrepreneur. And it is amazing how she's just like, I don't know what to do. And so we're integrating email marketing and a CRM and her social media and her LinkedIn profile, which fortunately she already had and like pulling all those things together, but then also doing a little bit of business development to make sure that the products and services that she's offering are ones that people who are digital natives, which is not something I think she would call herself but people who are digital natives can understand and communicate with her and really be a part of her ecosystem. And I think that has been one of the things that I've done for people over and over and over again recently is just really helping them to get everything integrated and also being able to track all those things because digital marketing is like, sometimes it feels like witchcraft, right? Where you're just like making spells and hoping everything works. And we really are getting to the point where it's like, no, there's things that we can track. We don't have to like pretend like it's witchcraft. (laughs) So helping her to be able to track everything that we're working on too. Talk about your why. Why do you do what you do? Well, I think that my deepest why is, I think that it is important. And this is because the majority of my customers, my clients are women and I, I didn't design my business that way. I do have a large portion of men as well. But I think that for me, what I really want to help people do is develop generational wealth for their families. And I think as small business owners, and specifically for myself, my personal why is to do the same thing for me because I did not come from a family of means. And that's me being exceedingly modest. I came from a very, very poor background and no one in my family has ever had money. And I've always been the person when someone did need something that I was the person that they came to. And one of the things that I've realized once I started a business was that having your own business is one of the best ways towards generational wealth. And I've been using my business to help other people to get there for themselves, to like build a business that they can actually build a family on and build a life around and get and leave something to their kids and not just have their kids have to start over their kids, kids, you know, their, their children's children have to start over with wealth creation because that's, I, to me, the American dream isn't about a house in the suburbs and a picket fence. The American dream is to be able to leave something of worth behind and leave trails towards that wealth for yourself and for your family. Talking about legacy, when it's all said and done, Lindsay, how do you want to be remembered? 
for me, what I think I want to be remembered the same way that I want to be talked about right now. I want people to walk away from every conversation with me, every engagement with me, every time I have a new client, I want them to walk away saying that they know more after working with me than they did when they started and that they felt more self-sufficient afterwards. Because unlike, I think, other digital marketers, one of my biggest differentiators is that I'm trying to help you learn what to do so that you won't need me forever. Because that, that's, I don't need dependents. I need people who are independent. I, need, I want people to be truly fulfilling their own selves. And if in the end, people can say that I helped them do that, then I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. Fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. Uh, thank you, pandemic, because you brought clarity. And not just to me, but I think that so many people, because of marketplaces constricting, because of supply chains you know, being challenged, because of the ability to leave and go places being restricted, a lot of people got more clear about what they really needed and wanted. And for entrepreneurs specifically, a lot of us got more clear and, and it, I got that same clarity myself. I became so much more clear about what I wanted and how to go and get it. And I'm really grateful for that. I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person living or not. And this mm. person has inspired you so much. Who is mm. this person and what are you saying to this person? So the person who I think of immediately when you ask that question is probably a little untraditional, and that is Magic Johnson. And I, and I say Magic Johnson because uh, forever ago, I don't even remember when it was, probably 2007 or eight. so feels like forever ago now, I met Magic Johnson at the Black Enterprise Conference in Atlanta. And he was the keynote speaker at the conference. And prior to meeting him and having him be the keynote speaker at that conference, I was conscious of the fact that he was kind of an anomaly and that he did not take his sports career as the highlight of his life. He took his sports career as a jumping off point for negotiation. <laughs> and considering he had such an amazing sports career, it was like such an inspiration to me. And I'd say not just that, but that his diagnosis of HIV in what, 94 or whenever that happened for it to have been so early on and for him to have decided because he couldn't have done it without choosing. He decided to not be defeated by that diagnosis and he decided to do what he needed to do to stay alive, which at that point he still did need to do because people were still dying. And he decided to make the right choices and to use his money the way he needed to use it in order to advance himself and his family. And then on top of that, you want to talk about continuing to inspire people. After all of that, he still is an inspiration to this day because he is an outstanding business person, but he is also a phenomenal dad of a family full of people who are non-traditional in all sorts of ways. And he's so accepting and loving and he's still like such a cheerful beacon of hope in the world. Yeah, he's just an inspiration on how to be a family person, how to transition after being challenged in a way that no one else would understand. And then also how to not rely on one thing as your source of income, how to actually build an entire empire without 
having to really build things like he managed to build an empire around things that already existed. And I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire and why. I would say one of the brands that I admire that would be considered a dominator in my space is HubSpot. They are a company that does CRM products, but they also now have a variety of other products that go along with that. And I think that they also embody kind of what I was just saying about Magic Johnson in that they are not one trick ponies. Like they have so many different things that they are doing and so many different ways that they can help people. And in addition to that, even though their product is not inexpensive, it is actually quite inaccessible to a large portion of small business owners. They have figured out how to make what is necessary accessible to the people who they want it to be accessible to. And I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's a really a great thing to be proud of if you're building a business that has some exclusive, some barrier to entry, like price, that they've managed to even keep their price where they needed to be, but offer things to help the people who can't afford where they afford their software, almost to make it aspirational so that you kind of keep yourself in their ecosystem, even if you can't afford the full out package. So I think they're a really great brand in in general and specifically for marketing. Speaking of technology, what is a technology tool or a platform that is a must-have in operating your business? Oh, I would say a must-have tool. There are so many, but I will, I'll go with one that's relatively obvious if you know me, which is Google Analytics, because as a tool, Google Analytics is quite possibly the most useful tool that most people don't use. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is so underutilized. I just spent basically the entire morning developing an, an analytics dashboard for a client and diving into their Google Analytics and looking at how to interpret the results in the analytics dashboard for them so that they can get some actionable results. And yeah, analytics, specifically Google Analytics, which is completely free, I think is one of those tools that must have, must use, but most people just don't. Talk about the story you're beginning when you started your business. Hmm. My beginning was, I would say it was challenged in that I didn't begin with a why. So you asked about what my why was earlier. And I did not start with a strong why other than that I was interested. And that's sometimes that's enough. And, and for me, it had to be because I'm still here. But I started my business because I had an interest in doing more than what I was doing, but I didn't know what that meant. And so I actually started my business by joining an incubator here locally, which I will not name. And uh, it's no longer in business, but I'm not going to name it because it has lots of controversy around it. And that incubator actually gave me a financial start. We got a small amount of money as seed funding. And it was a really interesting situation that turned out very, very negative. And I managed to you know, overcome the kind of poor outcome of that but I started mostly because I'm a highly competitive person. And the way I got into the incubator was competing and I had to compete in order to get in and I competed and I won. And I was like, yeah, I was so excited about that. And they actually had promoted the entire thing with a, the idea that you didn't need to know what you were going to be in business doing. 
You just needed to know you wanted to have a business. And I was like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> so, and I had already been doing digital marketing and helping people. I just didn't know how I wanted to translate that into a business. And, and they really did help me get started, even though there were some, some challenges and pitfalls that came along the way with that. Talk about raising capital. How did you raise capital to start your business? I started out with that competition that I was just talking about. So I joined this incubator competition. And with that, it was a three-week initial competition. And if you got past the like initial phase, which I did, that's when you got your initial seed funding. And I got that initial round of funding. And then from there, they had like two different levels of competition internally once you got into the program and you could get follow-on funding from there. The beautiful thing about funding is that once you get into a funding ecosystem, it's usually relatively easy to find the next round of funding, to find the next place your funding is going to come from. The challenge is if the funding community that you are in, the one that you kind of get into initially, if they determine that your business is what they like to call a lifestyle business, which is absolutely their version of a pejorative term. Once they have discovered that you are a lifestyle business or they they have identified or labeled you as a lifestyle business, you will no longer get funding or access or anything. That was the challenge that I had is that I ended up kind of getting pushed into the lifestyle category. And then once I was in that category, I had to use alternate funding because I still didn't have any money. I didn't have any clients. I just had an idea and I used some, some interesting alternate funding to actually get myself going, including some low to zero interest loan products and some of which went out of business before I was able to repay the loan, which was interesting and kind of useful, I guess. Uh, so, um, but that sort of thing is how, uh, you know, I, I got my funding. What is the best decision you've made as a leader? Oh, I would say the best decision I made as a leader was to fire someone who could not for the life of them understand why I was the CEO and they were not. So I had brought on someone onto my team who had a very specific skill set, and that was why I brought them on. And I was working with this person and they were very, they were not a partner. They were just an employee and we had developed a good relationship, but they had somehow convinced themselves that they could do a better job running the company than I could. And at very, at some point it kind of switched and they decided they didn't want to listen to anything I had to say. And I was just, I was holding them back and I was like, well, unfortunately it's my company. And so I couldn't possibly be holding you back. And it was very challenging, but it was like the best decision. Cause the reason why I bring it up as a really great decision was that it taught me how to do that. Like how to face down something like someone who doesn't believe in you actively kind of aggressively not believing in you and deal with it and not just because I couldn't walk away. She worked for me. I had to do something about it and she wasn't being mean. It wasn't mean spirited. Even it was, it was, it could have been perceived as her being helpful even, but it was going to, it was sabotaging me personally and my business. And so, yeah, very tough decision, but probably the best thing I ever did. And maybe the reason why I'm still here today. Let's take a snapshot over the last 30 days. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest win? Ooh, uh, 
the last 30, 30 days have been an entire whirlwind. So I would say the biggest win in the past 30 days probably has happened over the last week. And it is a, a relationship that I had started before I even had a business. I had taken on some mentoring and in one of my job positions. And that mentor actually reached out to me to help him in a new position that he's in with a very large contract to do marketing for a, a very large chamber in Ohio. And so that's actually was a really interesting thing. That was a huge win in this last week that I've experienced and very exciting time. And how do you celebrate your wins? Oh, good question. <laughs> I would say I probably don't and I need to. <laughs> do you have any suggestions? How do you celebrate? <laughs> well, for me, it would definitely be a spa day, an entire spa day. It's about relaxation, resetting mm-hmm. and rejuvenation. So I could answer that very, very quickly. That's a good one. I like it. I'm a retreat person. I love going on a, on a nice, a lot of people call them staycations. I'll call it a work retreat where I go stay at a local cabin or a hotel and just shut out the world and, and enjoy movie nights and work on like ideas. So for me, that's fun. Like I'm not working on the business so much as I'm like, ideating over things that have been noodling for months or maybe even a year and just trying to figure out if they'll work and all that. So now you've got me thinking, maybe it's time I do a retreat and throw in a massage and some, you know, other treatments there. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. What is the one thing that you are doing to impact people's lives? Well, I I have the fortune of being a Google digital coach, which means that I, I've been tasked by the Grow With Google team to work specifically towards helping Black and Latinx small business owners to grow their digital knowledge. And I put on workshops every week, basically, and they're completely free. And I absolutely love that work because I get to spend an hour, at least an hour a week working with groups of entrepreneurs who are underserved, helping them to really, really gain leverage on tools that are free. So often we are like, how do I get more money? And I'm like, how do you use the stuff that's free to actually get you where you're trying to go? I I want you to get more money, but I want that money to come from customers paying you. And one of the best ways to do that is just to use the tools that you have right now, but better. And I love the fact that I get to do that every single week. It brings me so much joy. And I And I hear from them that I am impacting them. They get to tell me in the moment that they learned and they can use this. And I'm going to start working on that tomorrow. And I I love it. What is the biggest obstacle that you've overcome, Lindsay? Hmm. I think, you know, in my business, the biggest obstacle I've overcome has been my health because I really did have some significant health challenges since I've started my business. And having those health challenges come up at a time where I didn't necessarily have employees, like I have employees now. And so it wouldn't have been as challenging if I had had employees at the time. At the time, I only had contractors and I didn't have a lot of them. I only had like one person who kind of was reliable. That has been, it was a huge challenge. But as I mentioned, it helped me to know that I could continue because regardless of the fact that I had this massive thing and had to go out for surgery and do all, like, it didn't stop the show. It didn't stop the show. 
Well, we are so glad that your health challenge, that you're staying well and healthy and that you're doing really well. Talk about mental wellness and entrepreneurship. Oh, I'm so grateful that you even have it to think about asking that question. I think often people don't, especially entrepreneurs, we don't think about our, our like mental health as a health asset that we need to manage. Myself personally, I speak with a therapist every week and she and I are working through a lot of things. And what I love about having a therapist and about maintaining my mental health in that way, very specifically, is that it helps me to process information so that I'm not carrying things around all week long in my head and not dealing with them. There are so many things that we're doing. You know, you own a business, you have employees, you have customers, you have, you have to deal with promotions and all these things that you're doing. And if you also are then carrying around arguments with your mom and all these other things that are happening, like it is so much easier to just deal with your business and your life if you're not also trying to carry the baggage of relationships and all the other things that are happening And sometimes I do need to talk about business related things with my therapist. And it's great to have someone who I can speak to and not feel any sort of way about it because that is their job is to like help me process that information. It is amazing. And I highly recommend it to all entrepreneurs, even if you don't think you need help with your business, get help with the other stuff so that you can deal with your business better. (laughs) Did you work a nine to five when you started your business? That is another fantastic question. I did. I worked for too short though. So remember that incubator I told you (laughs) when I joined, once I got to like the second level, one of the requirements that they had was that you had to quit your job. And that should have been a red flag because they were not paying me my salary in funding like they were like the amount of funding that we got was not nearly enough for anyone to quit their job it like genuinely was not but they had this idea this mindset of burn the ships they literally taught me that phrase i never heard the term burn the ships before and our burn the boats if people have heard that i've never heard that term before in my life they said if you don't show us that you're committed we won't commit to you I quit my job and I promise you within weeks, I was kicked out of the program, meaning I didn't make it to the next level. And I was basically told that if I quit my job, I'd be guaranteed to get to that next level. And they, they lied. That was part of the reason why I'm like, oh my God, it was such a horrible experience because I then from that point had to figure out how to be in business and be broke, like, like completely and utterly broke. And very fortunately, I was and it's horrible to say this, but I was accustomed to poverty. And so I grew up in poverty. I knew, and I don't mean I grew up in a frugal household. I mean, I grew up with various points where we were homeless. So I understood how to be poor. And I knew that if I, you know, I had a skill set, I have, I have way too much education. I have all the things that I knew if I needed to quit my business and get a job, I could. I had that in the back of my mind. And I said, okay, what's my tolerance for pain? And I decided that my tolerance for pain financially was very high and I moved forward. And at various points, mind you, in my business, I have taken on jobs. I have taken on gigs. I have done things like to help 
supplement my income. I am the last person to job shame someone. If you need to go get a job, go, go get a job. Uh, so, but I had, I did indeed quit my job when I first started. And it was, if there was a massive mistake in my business, that was probably it because I didn't quit because I wanted to. Not that quitting is bad. I didn't quit because I wanted to. I, I quit for someone else and for bad reasons and, you know, ended up being, ended up working out, but it could have went the other direction. Would you recommend someone do that? No, 100% not. I'd say keep your job. Whenever people have asked me in the past, I have had several people who were lawyers who were like, oh, I just got this funding and that thing happened. And can you, do you think I should quit my job? Me? No. If your law firm does not have a, a reason why, <laughs> like if they are not making you sign an agreement that says that you won't pursue your thing, <laughs> someone who's like, oh, I just have a part-time job. I can quit that. I'm like, please don't quit your job. Even if it's just part-time, keep your, why are you trying to give other, give away that money? Keep the, <laughs> please keep your job. <laughs> Oh, Lindsay, I love you so much. That is awesome. And I appreciate you saying about the job shame. And when you talk, they talk about burning the bridge. You don't ever want to go back over the bridge. That happened in another way. I was working with the organization, won't name them, and they had women mentors. And the majority of, of course, the mentors, they were Caucasian. Mm -hmm. And so they did ask, are you working a nine to five. And so of course the answer was yes. And they ended up, they would not mentor me and didn't tell me that they were not going to mentor me. Just like, I never forgot that story. So when you said it, it was like, they dropped me like a hot potato. No one knew why, but it, it eventually came back. They said, because she's not committed, but what they don't understand, it's not the level of commitment that the resources that you may have access is not the same resources that I have or so we could stay on this all day. So thank you for being so authentic with that and about the job shaming. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and, and I love what you said, like, keep your job part-time, full-time, multiple jobs, whatever, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. And you are, you're so right about that. The program that I was in was mostly white males and the people in the program alongside me were mostly white males and the majority of them were also married. And it was really interesting because I also, I mean, I see that you have a PhD. I was in a PhD program prior to actually when I started my business, I dropped out of a PhD program. And one of the things that I learned in that program as well, and my mentor, my PhD mentor told me this, but he didn't tell it to me in the way that I'm going to tell it to you. He told it to me without any knowledge of what he was saying, which is that the majority of people who seek PhDs and are successful have working spouses. And he didn't say it to me like that because he didn't hear himself saying the privilege of having a working spouse. Like he didn't hear himself saying I was successful because my wife worked a job and I didn't have to feed myself. Like, I mean, the people who start businesses, the majority of them have a working spouse. I am to this day, a single human being who has no spouse. I have a fiance and it's delightful. He works for me now. That is how things have turned, but that is, that was absolutely not the case. When I first started my business, I was a single, completely single 
human person who did not have a parent who could support me. I did not have a spouse who was supporting me. I was 100% supporting myself. And so you need to keep your job, like keep, because you don't have someone else whose job is supporting you while you go after your dream. Usually for us as women, even when we do have a partner, we're the ones with the job that's supporting their dream. You know, like we have to, we got to prioritize ourselves sometimes. And that might include keeping your job. Congratulations on your engagement. Have you guys set a date? People keep asking us that question. (laughs) We're edging towards the end of April of next year. We've hired a wedding planner, so we will have a date very soon, very soon. Well, congratulations. Thank you. What is the biggest takeaway you want the audience to leave with today from our conversation? I think the one thing that I hope people hear in everything that we've said today and everything we've talked about is that regardless of where you are, there's hope. I think that sometimes mindset is the biggest challenge with being an entrepreneur and specifically around marketing, which is is so interesting to me that I, I say often that I'm doing unlicensed therapy on a regular basis with people where I am just trying to convince them that things do work out. And that half of the job is believing that it can, because if you believe it can, then you'll work hard enough to make it work versus if you don't believe it can, who is it? I think it was Ford that said, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Marketing is very much that way. And being a business owner is very much that way. There are infinite number of options and possibilities, regardless of where we are in the world. There's an infinite number of them. You just have to find the right one. You have to be willing to be persistent and believe in yourself and believe that it's possible. I hope hope that's what people get out of this conversation is that there are tools that are free. There are things that you don't even know exist that could be the answer to your problem. You just got to believe that it's possible to find it. And then once it's there, you got to believe that it'll work. You talked about mindset and you talked about money trauma. Talk about mindset and money trauma. I think that those two things, especially for someone like myself who grew up in poverty, they're so tied together. And it's part of the reason why I'm in therapy at this moment. When me and my therapist talked about this last week, overcoming the concept that there's a a ceiling, that you're kind of like, maybe even that there's an anchor, not the ceiling, but there's something that is keeping you where you are. And you have to figure out what that thing is because with mindset, once you get past certain money mindsets, it's amazing what you can do. You just have to realize there's one of my favorite philosophers, I'll call him a philosopher, is Bob Proctor, the the late Bob Proctor, who said, if everyone knew how to make $10,000 a day, they would be making it. And he was the first person to admit, he's like, and the only thing that's keeping most people from doing it is the fact that they don't think it's possible. And so they're, they're not willing to believe that there's a world in which they can make $10,000 a day. Like they only think it's possible to make $10,000 in a quarter. And so they have a job that gives them $10,000 a quarter. And, or they think as a business owner, it's only possible to make $10,000 in two months or whatever the amount of time is that it takes you or the the quickest you've ever done it is the quickest you ever think it's been done. But just like with that four minute mile, sometimes all it takes to make it possible is to have you do it once. 
and then you'll realize it's possible. <laughs> so I want everyone to get to that point where your mindset is like, okay, I just need to believe it's possible long enough to do it once. And then once you get there, it's amazing what you'll be able to do. And how did you change your mindset? I think I was blessed with a mother who, despite our poverty, always trained us that anything was possible. It was probably magical thinking on her part, <laughs> but, but it, it made it so that I didn't, if I had mindset issues, it was more temporary. It was, you know what I mean? It would be like a setback mentally versus a standard way of being. Some people's standard way of being is believing that things aren't possible. For me, it's the opposite. If I don't think something's possible, that's usually the part that's temporary. <laughs> like, my general mindset is the sky is the limit. And then occasionally I do hit that moment where I will feel an anchor. Like my therapist, like I said, we're, we're working on the anchor that I have right now where she's like, you have an anchor. And I'm like, I know. I didn't even know it was there until I started to reach this certain level of money. And my brain is like, but wait. <laughs> So you just got to kind of work through it. Talk about in the digital marketing, why did you focus on funnels? I focused on funnels because I believe in predictability. The core business that I have, the name of it is Predictable Results Marketing. And that's because I truly believe from experience, not because of magical thinking, but I believe from my experience that my experience has made me believe, I should say, that if you do the right things in the right order, in the right time for your audience, like for the right people, you can get the results over and over and over and over. Often that requires discipline that most entrepreneurs don't have. And so the funnel is a way to, instead of trying to enforce discipline on your client or your customer, which is what people think a funnel is, what I have learned is that the funnel is a good way to enforce discipline on yourself because you cannot create and market using a funnel if you're all over the place. You have to get specific. And so for me, and I bet you will appreciate this, the funnel isn't for your customer. The funnel is for you. Like the funnel is for the entrepreneur so that we can get our minds right, so that we can put ourselves in the right position, so that we can put the right information out at the right time instead of us feeling like we can just kind of go all over the place and be all willy-nilly, like no willy-nilly, only purposeful and intentional. I like that. What book would you recommend and why? I have so many. Entrepreneurship book, the one that I would say first things first is Profit First, name of the book. It is fantastic. It changed my life. I keep talking about things that changed my life. That was one of those money mindset books that just absolutely transformed my life. When I first read it, I didn't, I understood it, believed it, but didn't understand it and believe it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I read it and was like, this makes so much sense, but I couldn't for the life of me figure out how to do it. And then I read it again, like a year later and it, made more sense. And then I read it again a year after that. And that's when it all clicked and became something that I could do, like something that I thought I could do. And so Profit First is just a way of using every dollar in your business in a more strategic manner. And it, it was fantastic. And it's a short read, easy to do, easy to get through. Thank you for that. 
talk about self-care. Now, when we hear of self-care, we hear that it's physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Which one, and you can only pick one, Mm. is drawing you today and why? I think it's the spiritual aspect. For me, I think self-care is a spiritual practice in that it revives me. So when, when my spirit is flagging or when I am, you know, not exactly where I need to be mentally and emotionally, that positive mental attitude, that great, happy money mindset that I was talking about, when those things start flagging is when I realize that I'm off on my self-care and I need to focus more on really good self-care practices. So that is, that's what, when you first said that, that's the first thing I thought is absolutely spiritual. 100%. And what does self-care look like to you, Lindsay? For me, it's more practice than it is anything else, meaning that it's something that I try to do every single day. I start my day out with my own morning ritual. It is not anything that a person would read in a book that they should do necessarily, because it's not, um, it's not like I start out with yoga on a mountaintop or anything like that. I have an app that I use, it's a computer app called 750 Words. And I start out with doing those 750 words every single morning, regardless. It is amazing because it's like self-therapy almost. I go through the 750 words and I get anything that's like on my head that needs to be exercised, you know, from the previous day, I get all that stuff out of my head. And sometimes I go well past 750 words. I'll write 2000 words in like 45 minutes, just pouring my soul out. And that's why it ends up being spiritual is that I sometimes read back through them and like, like I did, I was going through some stuff that day, but it's the first thing I do. So then I have clarity and focus for the rest of the day. I can just move through and it's, it's kind of amazing. So yeah, I'd say that would be the big one. Who is your ideal client? Uh, My ideal client is someone who believes that marketing can work. And I say that with 100% non-snark, I just need people to believe it can work. Occasionally I had clients who They didn't believe, but they had been convinced by someone that I was like a genius. Oh, she's such a genius. And I'm like, no, I don't need you to believe in me. I need you to believe that marketing can work because if you believe in me, but you don't think marketing can work, then none of this matters. Like you need to believe that marketing can work because if you don't, I can't help you. I cannot If you think that Facebook is dumb and that Pinterest is for idiots and that anyone who's on the computer for more than four hours a day is just wasting their lives. Like if you think that YouTube is, you know, for children or whatever the thing is, people have that mindset going into it, then it makes it a thousand times harder for me to work with them. So I would prefer just happy people who think marketing can work, even if it's never worked for them in the past works. And that's all I need. Lindsay, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it too. Oh, that is such a fantastic question. You have asked so many amazing questions. It makes it very challenging to answer that one. (laughs) I, you know what? I think I have 
one question because I always say, and you started the interview out with my no gimmicks, no fads. I say no gimmicks, no fads. And I think often people don't know what that means. And so I would ask myself, what do you mean by no gimmicks and no fads? Especially after I just spent all that time saying you need to believe in marketing. (laughs) I think that for me, what no gimmicks and no fads means is that I don't need you to have like to want to dance in front of a camera in order for marketing to work. I don't need you to think that. I don't need you to think that you need to be on YouTube specifically. I don't think that you need to be on Facebook and have a group. I don't think that you need to have any of that. It doesn't have to be whatever you think everyone else is doing. You don't, you could be very successful on LinkedIn and just LinkedIn. I need you to believe that whatever we decide is going to work is going to work but it doesn't have to be a gimmick. You don't have to dance for the camera. You don't have to share your soul and, you know, cry or whatever the thing is that other people are doing. You don't have to do all of that. You just need to be yourself. And whatever that means for you, no gimmicks. If you're not a very nice person, let's make it work. If you are a very nice person, let's make that work. Whatever really is you, let's make it work. And we don't have to chase the trends and follow fads. It's completely unnecessary. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I want you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Rapid Round of Fun? Let's have some fun. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Your ideal car? Oh, a Jaguar. Your favorite color? Purple. The last movie you saw? The Happening by M. Not Shyamalan. <laughs> and right Your... before that, it was Jurassic Domination. Like that, so. <laughs> Your first job? My first off the books job was janitor housekeeper in my apartment building. You relax doing what? Uh, I relax with YouTube. I love it. I can't help it. It's great. <laughs> your favorite singer or rapper uh oh favorite rapper jay-z singer i couldn't even tell you but my favorite rapper is jay-z your favorite dance song dance song oh get busy by sean paul what food you eat every week no matter what popcorn your favorite month march workout or hit the couch Well. Reality, couch, in my head, work out. (laughs) Lindsay Sims, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. As a reminder, head over to clever.fm slash B-E-E-S to ask your questions, connect with other listeners, and leave your thoughts. The URL is also in the show notes. Before we let you go, share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Well, I think the best way to find me and learn what I'm doing on a regular basis is on Instagram. And you can find me at Lindsay L. Sims. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-L-S-I-M-S. And I'd love to have you all connect and hang out with me over there. Thank you, Lindsay. That's a wrap. 
Thank you for listening and subscribing to Black Entrepreneur Experience. We would love for you to leave a review and rating on iTunes and share with your friends. For show notes and more episodes, go to www.beepodcast.com. Join us next Wednesday. And remember, green is the new black. So keep your bank accounts and your business in the black. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.